Welcome to Materially, show all about the Google and Android universe hosted on the Relay FM network. This episode of Material is brought to you by Linode and Ministry of Supply. I am one of your hosts, UX designer Yasmin Evian, and joining me as always, my wonderful co-host, tech columnist Andy Anako. Hello, Joyux Noel. And app developer Russell Ivanovich. Heidi ho. And there is a delay. <laughs> There's a delay. <laughs> so uh, Russell is recording. You know, those those Australians have uh, so much vacation time that uh, Russell is recording from home and his internet is uh, so bad at home. But you're using Google Wi-Fi. Uh, so you're going to give us an update on you, how you think it, it's going on uh, later on in the show. Maybe by the time we get to that segment piece, you'll be able to actually uh, be caught up and, and, under- and hear my introduction to you. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just hearing the intro, Yasmin. Uh, yeah, I hear the intro nice and clear. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, of course, the International Space Station is, of course, 250, 232 miles in orbit above the Earth. There's a slight delay uh, as the signal shuttles between several satellites and bounces back down to us. So uh, I thought we had the koalas on top of that, you know, making sure the Internet was strong for those Australians. Um, I had I had so I had a fun break. You know, I, I missed uh, you both. And I was uh, on the day I had off. Uh, I was like, Oh, no, re- not recording material tonight. But I did I did miss y'all. Uh, but it was pretty fun. You know, we uh, tracked Santa on the go- via the Google Assistant, uh, which actually was a, a really fun thing. We kept on doing that on um, on New- or I said almost New Year's Eve. On Christmas Eve, we kept on uh, tracking Santa and my mom even got in on the fun. And she was like, ask it where Santa is, you know, and stuff. So everyone had a good time. But here is like the the best part, I would say, like they did such a good job with the Santa tracker because they were like locating Santa's bells and they played like some jingle bells and then they were like, you know, we have located Santa's sleigh and all this stuff. But after, you know, after on, on Christmas Day, if you asked it where Santa was, it actually told you it was like locating Santa. It's like, oh, Santa's back at the North Pole relaxing in a bathtub or he's out, you know, throwing snow at, at, at his elves and stuff and here is why this was like the coolest this is why it was such a treat to have this um so christmas day you know my my daughter wakes up and she like runs through the door and i'm like merry christmas you know and she she's saying merry christmas and i go did santa claus come and so she runs out to underneath the tree and she goes oh santa claus came and then she goes and i asked google what he was doing and he said he's at home relaxing in the in the bathtub and that he just got back from the North Pole. So it was just like the sweetest little uh, interaction that, uh, you know, I, I they do this stuff for fun, but it really does create so much joy. So thank you to the people that worked on the Santa Tracker. Yeah, and it's, it's hard to overestimate, uh, overstate how cool like that app is. Uh, I, I One of my favorite family photos I've ever taken is of my now- college graduate <laughs> nieces and nephews with with a few stragglers underneath them just huddled around in their little tiny like four and five year old kid christmas christmas uh, outfits huddled around like my power book like 190 c or something because i had like the norad santa tracker that was probably hosted on an archie server or something at that point all they knew was that there was a computer that was enough of this so oh kids but somehow santa is somewhere on his sleigh right now and there are roofs it's like no no no. here is hard data here are numbers saying no no he is in this city right now here's the country he's in here's a here's a map of the world and where santa is and where he's projected to be at what time and of course it's it's uh, at, at, at that time it's all set up to make sure that santa is due wherever you logged in from santa is due to be in that area roughly 30 minutes after a rational bedtime for kids so <laughs> and, and the, the looks on their faces are like oh that's where santa is uncle andy can, can you refresh and, see, and f- f- check where santa is and then uncle andy would have to say okay everybody don't pick up the phone for the next 15 minutes. <laughs> I, I know, okay, Mom, Mom I, I know that you're talking to your aunt and she's 90 and this is her, gonna be her last Christmas probably, but hang up the phone because we need to check on, I need, I need to open a slip connection so that I can check on Santa for the kids. So yes, oh, uh, bravo, bravo, bravo to all the developers who are working on that project. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a super fun treat. So 
Yeah, so we had we had a good break. I you know caught a cold. If you can hear that in my voice, uh, but yeah, other than that, it's going good. I saw some snow. I saw some snow, real snow. <laughs> that that was I, I, that was hard to believe. You you again. Let's remind people <laughs> that you do live in where. I live in Arizona, Arizona. and although like in the Phoenix metro area, it does not snow. Um, It gets pretty hot. But if you go up north to like the Grand Canyon or Flagstaff, uh, those are some cities up there. Well, Grand Canyon isn't a city, Uh, but you get to see actual real life snow. Actually, that was a lot of fun. I I have to announce, Yasmin, that uh, it got to 105 degrees Fahrenheit here for Christmas. So it was nice and toasty. Uh, 40, 40 something degrees for those of you using the uh, the proper 105. system. One hundred and five. Oh my yeah. goodness! Yeah, it was awesome. That's not too bad. It was, wow. it, was 40, it was forty degrees here in New England uh, just this morning. <laughs> Fahrenheit. It is. But... Uh, yeah. It's currently sixty one degrees <laughs> in Arizona. It's it's ch- that's why Yasmin's wearing her like sweater and scarf and all that stuff because I get cold. <laughs> I wouldn't not survive in Boston. Do, do you have like this? Do you, do you in Arizona have like the same like traditional like uh, depiction of Santa Claus, or does the idea of someone in thick, thick winter clothes and boost not register, and you sort of translate it into someone who's wearing a lot of sunscreen and you know is is is, <laughs> is dressed for Arizona weather? <laughs> Well, you know, we know Santa Claus has to travel all around the world, and in some places it is cold, even though it's not cold here in Arizona. So, you know, we, we know he's just preparing, but I'm assuming he does his Phoenix drop-off pretty quick and Australian drop-off quick because it would get pretty, pretty hot in that, uh, <laughs> in that suit. Uh, but, Andy, did you, were you able to capture you, – you've been in love with this camera app, and I'm wondering, did you capture Santa Claus with it? Uh, no, because I respect Santa's desire for privacy. <laughs> uh, just just like when uh, I saw uh, Mr. Brad Pitt uh, having an egg cream uh, at, a, at a cafe in, in, in New York City uh, last year, I thought, you know what, I'm going to balance my desire to have an Instagram that will get at least 10,000 views with the man's desire to have an egg cream and make a big mess like on his lower chin with the egg cream in peace. And I believe Santa, if anything, requires and deserves uh, even more respect than uh, than the the star uh, of uh, of Seven. Uh, but no, I, I was really – one of the best gifts Google gave me, I think in the last six months, was the most recent update to the camera app. Um, and uh, even though I was, <laughs> it kind of made me a little bit upset because I was just finishing my huge, huge review of the iPhone 7's camera features, which which was a separate thing. And part of it was like, oh well, you know, the, the iPhone 7 is the iPhone is still like the best camera overall. And now they've added they've added so many little tweaks to the stock uh, camera app, not just the one that you get uh, with the Pixel, but the one that you can install on any uh, on any uh, uh, on any uh, uh, Android phone, uh, even on my Nexus 5X, which is a year old and therefore ancient. It only has one. One, one lens. Oh my God! Uh, it, the the improvement in the pictures that it takes is pretty great uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, first and f- first and foremost, HDR plus. Uh, it's just in a category by itself. Uh, on other cameras, it's a lovely side feature that you would enable or it would kick in automatically in very, very shockingly dramatic uh, <laughs> places where you have lots and lots of bright light and lots and lots of shadow and there's no way to balance the two without taking multiple exposures and synthetically comparing, composing them too. And even though uh, the iPhone's HDR mode is very good, it's still a little bit HDR-ish. It looks like something hinky is going on there, uh, but always... Uh, the uh, Google's HDR Plus has always been so very natural, and now the new the new version is even better. It really does fake having a much much better camera in there than is actually present. And even on the 5X, it's so much faster that I really don't feel a need to ever leave that mode off. There just there's no downside, and given that I'm not taking like bursts of of action, I'm usually just taking a single snapshot. Uh, Oh my goodness, it's just uh, really great. And the second part of it is that they, uh, I used to praise the app because, uh, contrary to how Apple wrote their camera app, 
the Google camera app tried to be as minimalistic as possible, understanding that the whole point of this is one round button that you tap and it takes a picture. That's all you really need. And if you have a million other like cluttered controls so that as happened when I was testing the <laughs> iPhone 7 Plus, uh, I have a beautiful time-lapse picture of a dog in a park running at running towards me with a stick in its mouth. Uh, it is a time-lapse shot, obviously, over a course of 2.2 seconds, 3 seconds. So it's not very impressive. Uh, I actually had had it in uh, super slow motion mode, but while I lifted up the camera, my finger must have nudged the screen slightly to to swipe it into the the, the time-lapse mode so no it's not a very good demonstration of time-lapse or the camera at all uh, but they added a few really good features uh, I've always wanted exposure compensation just the ability to say yes you made a really good guess at what the exposure is but my own druthers are I would like you to make that a little bit lighter or a little bit darker and now you can just do that with a simple like little thumb control that's on the side you can also uh, change white balance which is not necessarily the most important thing to do every time but if you have time when you enter a room to just without even taking a picture really just hold up the camera and keep changing the white balance until the picture you see on the screen matches the colors you're seeing in the real world you'd be surprised at what a great effect that that has uh it has a self-timer has a couple other quick features to it but it really was brilliant at just putting in just those features that can make a good camera app into a great camera app. So that is to say uh, a, ca a camera that takes really good pictures into a camera that takes great pictures. And I'm telling you, the the, the, fo the, the, the shots I've been taking over the past week, week and a half, has very much blunted my temptation to one day, oh, but this camera in the new iPhone is really nice. Maybe if I can find like a deal secondhand, like a demo unit, I'll buy it for $500 or $600 maybe. Uh, it's uh, it, it really is a leap up and it really just so show you how much you can achieve with just adding software. And you know, this isn't an age where you have to re revolutionize the hardware every year uh, to make better pictures. So I'm really, really happy with it. Again, a great gift in my stocking this year. Yeah, it's always uh, that's always fascinating what software can do in terms of you think, hey, it's a hardware issue. And like, oh, no, software, software can fix that. So uh, pretty cool. And, you know, it, you, that phone you can get on Project Fi along with a Pixel, which is a phone I have. But, Russell, it looks like some people told you about visiting the U.S. and getting Project Fi. Yes, we had, uh, had some feedback tweets about that. So someone wrote in and said, uh, at Material Podcast, you can get Google Fi SIM outside the U.S., need a mail forwarder and a credit card not linked to your Australian address. And then he went on to say, usually airline credit cards work and you can pause Wi-Fi, sorry, you can pause Fi service when needed. So it sounds like it's not officially supported. You can't go to go to Project Fi and say, hey, I live in Australia. Can I have a SIM card that I can pause, you know, from time to time? But it does seem like that if you want to jump through some hoops, you know, you want to get yourself some kind of credit card that's not linked to an Australian address. Uh, you want to get yourself some kind of address in the US. Can I recommend Utah or I guess 90210 is where most Australians register their US addresses. There's a lot of people that live there in, I'm sure, Apple and uh, Google systems. Um, yeah, it looks like you can get it to work and you can get it to pause, but obviously you're going to need to jump through some hoops. So, yeah, appreciate that feedback. That's good to know. Well, Russell, you know, for a fee, I'm definitely willing to, uh, you know, put you on my family plan and, <laughs> and just uh, upcharge you. But <laughs> Oh, I can be – can I be <laughs> – now, if, if we, if we the do long get you an you address for the purpose of uh, Google Fi, uh, Project Fi, are you willing to register as a voter? <laughs> sure, why not? I'm sure, I'm sure that's not going to cause us any problems. <laughs> so as we can see, Google Wi-Fi is working perfectly, and Russell is going to be talking about that uh, right after the ad break. But first, we're going to be talking about Linode, one of our favorite, uh, not, not one of our favorites, because they're all our favorite sponsors. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Linode, a combination of high-performance SSD Linux servers spread across eight data centers around the world, makes Linode a fantastic solution for your server infrastructure. You can get a server up and running under a minute with plans starting at just $10 a month, which now will get you two gigabytes of RAM. 
which is which is pretty good. You'll be able to choose your resources, Linux distro, and node location right from the manager tool. And once you're up and running, you can easily deploy, boot, and resize your virtual ser server with just a few clicks. Um, Linode's service, servers offer industry-leading native SSD storage, which means everything is going to be super, super fast. Uh, you know, they have their Intel E5 processors, which is the fastest you can get in the cloud market. And you have access to 40 gigabyte network with, with multiple levels of redundancy. So you're not going to have any network connections like uh, Russell has in Australia over there. Um, they have an API that allows you to easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud. And all Linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on servers like backup and node balancers. As a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com forward slash material, you'll not only be supporting us, but you also get $20 towards any Linode plan. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com forward slash material to learn more and sign up and take advantage of the $20 credit or use the promo code material2017 at checkout. Thank you so much, uh, Leonard, for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. Yes, exactly. It's, it's, it's kind of like Animal Farm. Each one of our sponsors are our favorites, but some of a, some of, one of them is more of our favorite than others, and that would probably be Linode. Uh, now, uh, realize that we cre that we create the show notes before we start recording. This is not necessarily <laughs> off the cuff, so it is with a certain degree of irony, given that uh, Russell is stuttering a little bit and he seems to be on a two second delay between us. I will now say, Russell. You just got Google Wi-Fi, <laughs> and do, would you? And you, it, it seems like you have you have a few thoughts to to add to the ones that I shared a few weeks back when I shared my own uh, initial startup uh, experience with it, uh, in a delay of on a delay of two seconds. Uh, how what, what would those thoughts be? <laughs> well, Andy, I think it was two shows ago you talked about the Google Wi-Fi. Maybe three shows ago. I got so excited that I, I tried to find all the different places that you could order it. And Amazon.com seemed to be the only place that would ship it here to Australia. And even they seemed to change their mind halfway through. I placed my order and they're like, yep, shipping, no worries. And then they're like, oh, actually, there's going to be some delay while we figure out a shipping date for you. And I think the delay was maybe either they weren't meant to send these things to Australia or they forgot how much it cost to send things to Australia. The price ended up going up to, I think I paid the $2.99 standard US price. It went up to $5.98 in the weeks leading up to it. My order was still at the same price. So you probably can't see this at all because I'm at home on my um, my crazy Australian internet. But here is the the little Google Wi-Fi box. It's like a like a Cylon thing. It's got a little light. Um, I, don't, I don't want to talk about the generic stuff. Andy's already covered that. But I will say a few things that, that I've had um, you know experience with since Ooh. installing it. I only... I only installed it yesterday as well. So it's pretty. funny actually. I'm seeing I'm seeing Yasmin and Andy react many seconds after I've said something. It's it's quite hilarious. So the the reason I bought it is we are moving into a bigger house sort of later on this year. We're building at the moment, and I knew that the current Wi-Fi setup I have wouldn't span to all the the various rooms. You know, I've heard from other people that have the same router in me as me, and they're like, it works great if you're in in this room or that room, but you get right to the edge of the house, and you're like, oh no, I've lost connection, and the whole mesh thing seems to be where it's going. So. I installed only two of these in the current house um, because I figured it's it's a small house, you don't need more. So the, the first thing I noticed is when you're doing stuff like, um, say, online gaming or anything that relies on latency, if you're connected to the one that's connected to your router versus uh, one of the other ones that's on the mesh network, it seems to add about 10 milliseconds of latency, which on the one hand is not a lot. You know, if you're doing Skype and you're downloading things, 10 milliseconds is going to make zero difference to you. But if you're doing, you know, some kind of gaming or anything that requires... Uh, you know, high speed, you've got to be aware of that. You're adding another 10 milliseconds. And that kind of makes sense because it's got to go to to the little node that's near you and then it's got to go off to the base station. That physically, you know, physics and other things, chemistry, all the other things, the things that are in the air, the walls in between, there has to be some kind of latency. The other weird thing I've noticed that I haven't been able to debug yet is about every minute or so, there seems to be a drop in connectivity. And I don't know if that's my home internet here. I might have to test it a bit in the office as well. Karma. But don't forget it, karma. <laughs> I have no idea what Andy's responding to now. This is how big the delay is here in Australia. But um, so yeah, it, it, there seems to be some kind of drop in connectivity. You can just see if you're using something like iStat menus in your menu bar. Um, uh, so I, I'll tell you some of the other things that um, I found interesting. Is I, I assumed just from listening to Andy, I assumed that um, you could do things like schedule the pause time. So what you can do is you can put oh, a whole boy. bunch of devices under a label, and you can say. 
Um, you can say you can give it a label like kids or something like that, or family or people I hate or you know anything like that, and then you can pause the internet on all those people, which is great. The only thing I'd add is that I, for some reason, I assumed that would be scheduled. So I had this dream of you know I could put my kids to bed at seven thirty or whatever, and I could turn off all their devices. And should they happen to sneak out or whatever, they'd they'd get there, they'd turn one on, they'd be like, ah, no, no internet. What are you going to do? That's not the case. You can't do any scheduling at the moment. I'm hoping they add that yeah i really really hope i'm i mean i'm one of those idiots that bought it assuming it would do that without actually sort of reading the directions um some of the other stuff i will say is i was shocked by the physical size of these they're they're really small they're probably about a quarter of the height of an amazon echo that's my standard unit of unit of measurement they're a little bit wider they're all kind of like white and glossy i i really like the fact that these came from the us and have USB-C power that's a huge plus because they came with us connector plugs which i can't plug into my power but I found that the standard Nexus chargers are exactly the same specs, so they, they need three amps of power. The the charger I got with my Pixel, you know, does that. So cool, I could plug these in. Um, in terms of like house sizes, I believe they say if it, if you've got somewhere between fifteen hundred and two thousand square meters, um, you you only need two. If you go bigger than that, you need three. I tried putting a third in my office just to see if it would go any faster, and actually made it slower. So it's one of those things, I guess, you have to experiment with. I don't think it's I don't think it's a magical like solution to all your internet problems. And I, I guess I shouldn't have assumed that it is, but I kind of did assume that it is. And the, the last thing I want to say is I have the the Netgear Spider Spaceship Router, which Andy is very fond of, the one that kind of looks like a spider and a spaceship all in one. That thing is blazing fast, but the thing that it's missing and the thing that almost every router manufacturer in the world is missing is an app as good as Google Wi-Fi because... I don't know if you've installed the Netgear Genie app or you've tried to use the Netgear web interface that looked like it was designed in, you know, 1985 and not changed since. But those things are, they're slow, they're cumbersome. Some of the settings are just beyond, like, incomprehensible. And I studied networking. You know, I do some networking for a living. I set up servers and I'm like, if I press this button, what on earth is going to happen here? Let's try it. And then the router just sits there for, you know, 15 seconds and it's like, oh, thanks, Netgear. Like, enjoy whatever you're doing. So that's that's a huge advantage of this. This thing is like you get it home. It's like, hey, let's try and find one of these. Boop. Oh, okay, I found one of these. Do you have any more? Yep, I have one more. And it's exactly as Andy said. And even afterwards, through the app, everything is configurable. You know, you can see every single device that's connected. You can see real-time usage. I think just on the strength of the app alone, I think it kills a lot of other routers dead. And I do hope they, they figure out some of these niggling sort of issues. I'm not sure if my connectivity issue... Oh, this has completely stopped downloading. And there it goes again. I'm not sure if my connectivity issue is to do with my home internet because at the moment I'm just on ADSL. It's extremely slow here at home. In the office we have fiber. Maybe we'll do some sort of testing in there as well. So, yeah, I mean, overall I like it, but I do have some hesitations about recommending it just because I don't, I'm not a reviewer. I don't, I don't know enough about this to know if this is just me having these issues or if this is everyone else on the internet having these issues. Yeah, that's... Definitely. I, I, I do find that I can't trust myself because I'm not like a professional network engineer. I'm just a consumer. I'm actually the worst kind of consumer. I'm a consumer who thinks he knows more than a consumer. So actually, it, about once a year, I do find myself for one reason or another breaking down nearly my entire network and then putting it back together again just to make sure I haven't put like two Wi-Fi base stations on the same node or done something to make things really, really more complicated than it needs to be. Uh, but I can, uh, yeah, I absolutely second what you're saying about uh, about the app. It's wonderful. Uh, I'm having the, the, the reason for my networking problems right now is that uh, I, I blame Apple because I've I've got uh, I've I've got my uh, my MacBook Pro here and I'm using for the Skype call and uh, I don't have my regular Ethernet dongle so I had to use a substitute Ethernet dongle and I believe that this other Ethernet dongle is not as good as the original Ethernet dongle that I had so I have to find out what I did with the original Ethernet dongle uh, and but I'm okay with this because. If Apple had put a standard Ethernet jack right on this $2,000 notebook, it might have been a whole three millimeters thicker, and who wants that? Uh, but uh, the when I was uh, doing a podcast earlier today and things were chopping up, I hadn't really figured out what was going on. It was easy for me to just pick up the app and find out, okay, 
what devices on this network are on the mesh are are active is there some machine i've forgotten about that's syncing via dropbox has my ipad decided to try to upload 800 photos to google photos which sometimes happens in the background when i plug into the charger uh and something that would have sent me to two or three different apps was just one not just one app but one really slick looking app uh that i just really really absolutely loved so uh, a lot of companies are coming are going into uh, mesh device, mesh networking devices. So it's not as though you'll have a lack of choice in 2017. Uh, uh, Consumer Electronics Show uh, is opening this week in Las Vegas, so there'll probably be even more announcements about that. Um, I think that the uh, that the Google Wi-Fi is really good if you are uh, if you right now feel as though I haven't upgraded my Wi-Fi in four or five years and it's been on your list for a while. Uh, there's no necessarily a need to wait, but if you can wait another year, you might have some more choice. And certainly, uh, if there are any problems with the Google Wi-Fi, Google will have ironed them out uh, by now. Speaking of Google ironing out problems, there seems to be some early indications that uh, Google might have a bad version of nougat going out there. Do not take the brown nougat. There's some not particularly good nougat circulating (laughs) around. Just don't want to tell you what to do, man. Uh, Because uh, a few weeks ago, there's already some stories about uh, Nexus 6P users specifically having battery problems where the battery will get down to about 30% and then boom, it just simply cuts off abruptly as though it was 30% too high uh, in the in the, in the the registration to begin with. Uh, and now we're getting some reports uh, via Reddit forums and via uh, support forums on Google uh, that a lot of uh, Pixel Pixel users are having the exact same problems. Uh, there doesn't seem, it doesn't seem to be hugely widespread, but it's definitely something that's affecting a lot of people. Uh, it doesn't look like it's a hardware problem. The fact that it's affecting uh, people who are using the Pixel and Instead, indicates there might be something subtly wrong with the latest edition of uh, of uh, nougat that was pushed out. Uh, so, little bit of a warning uh, if you're if you've been you're not going insane. You didn't just have a blackout, although maybe you know New Year's Eve, maybe you did have a bit of a blackout. It was not related to uh, the, suddenly using thirty percent of your battery life. Uh, but also, if you're in sort of a high pressure situation in the next couple of weeks uh, where you're going to be traveling and it's really absolutely important that when your plane lands you have the ability to make this call or get an uber or something like that you might want to make uh, make it a little bit more important in the back of your head to have some sort of an external usb battery standing by just in case you think that you got another four hours of battery left but actually you're about 20 minutes away from lights out everywhere Um, uh, and speaking of lights out you know, there's a simple thing that keeps the lights on here at the Material Podcast. It's revenue from our advertisers. And uh, our friend and co-host, Yasmin, I think, has a beautiful message from a- another sponsor that can... I'm sorry, or Russell. I, I do have a beautiful message. From it people who can make you Russell. more beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> ah, we love all our sponsors equally, and I love this one the best. This is uh, Ministry of Supply. So this episode of Material is brought to you by them. Uh, we all know what it's like to spend 40 hours a week in uncomfortable work clothing. I don't know if, like me, you've ever tried to you know, wear clothes that just don't fit properly. You're like, ah, this is, this is no good. So the, these clothes are restrictive and unbreathable, not to mention by the end of the day, they're all wrinkled too. You know, do you spend hours ironing them and boom, they're all wrinkled. So Ministry of Supply fixes this. They make performance clothes for the modern day workplace. Uh, it was launched by MIT engineers. Ministry of Supply combines human-centric research, performance technology, and tailored design to create wear-to-work clothes for men and women like dress shirts, blouses, and pants. Their garments work with your body to provide maximum comfort, combined with features like temperature control, wrinkle resistance, and extreme stretch to give you a sharp, professional look all day long. So, you know, one thing I want to tell you about, and they actually sent me this one, I've tried it out, Ministry of Supplies All-Season Sweater features seamless ventilation zones at the hot spots of your body. It regulates body temperatures to keep you warm but not overheated all day long. So I know that sounds like a lot of words, but basically it's a very comfortable sweater and it seems to do well whether it's hot or cold. Like I can, you know, personally attest to that. It's it's good stuff. They also, you know, they make everything. They make socks. So you've got smarter dress socks that are made of coffee fiber. Uh, you could just sit there and sniff them if you wanted. They wick sweat, sweat and absorbs odor. They provide extreme cushion with more padding than gym socks. Uh, they offer free shipping, free returns, and a 100-day no-question-asked return policy. And you can find out more by going to ministryofsupply.com slash material. 
And if you do, you'll get a free pair of moisture-wicking smarter dress socks with your first purchase. So go to ministryofsupply.com slash material to find out more or visit any of their nine retail stores in locations including San Francisco, Atlanta, and Chicago. And, of course, mention this show. So just walk up to the attendant there and be like, Material Podcast. And they might even give you a discount. You never know. And we want to thank Ministry of Supply so much for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. Uh, well, you know, I, I'm glad that I'm not at CES this year because, you know, after CES, a lot of people get the CES cold. And I would think that I would actually be the one giving everyone the cold this year. So uh, I've been to CES only only once and it was uh, super, super fun. But oh, man, it is it is something that that is really tiring. Although there is a Shake Shack in Las Vegas, so you can treat yourself uh, to something delicious. Uh, but there's going to be some, you know, announcements over at CES. Uh, it's always a fun time for journalists to get together and hear what the tech companies are. You know, it's a consumer electronics show, so what the consumer products are going to come out. And I remember, I think the the year I went uh, must have been two years or three years ago now. Uh, they had they were showcasing kind of like the Android TV built into. The, a lot of the like the LG and all those ones where it was like, oh, this is going to be the future, and oh well, I'm not I'm not so sure that's that's entirely happening right now. But there's going to be some new phones, uh, and those are going to be across the range, and that's kind of you know what CES when it comes with with new phones. Uh, it's never usually those like flagship phones that get announced there. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, but a lot of the time it's just uh, any new phones that the manufacturers are coming out with. Yeah, absolutely. CES, CES has changed a lot. It used to be the place where they everybody, all the companies know that all the press are coming. This is it's not a public show. You have to be a member of the industry or an analyst or a member of the press to attend. And okay, everybody's coming to this one city uh, for this one week. So that's when if we want attention for our announcement, that's definitely where we're going to go to make it. Uh, Microsoft used to do the keynote every single year, uh, but that was you know that was back in the days when computers were made of animal skins and dried twigs. Uh, now, now if you've got a if you got a real flagship phone, you can have your own event in New York City. So the huge news tends not to be coming out of there. And not only that, but there's so much noise uh, coming out of the show that oftentimes, if a company does have something kind of big, they will actually pre-announce it uh, a week beforehand. I've been getting like uh, under non-disclosure stuff for the last two weeks, uh, and even now they're now they're making things public even right before the start of the show because uh, you get a little bit of a more attention before the scrum uh so yeah most of the most of the new android phone announcements are from companies like Xiaomi, lg asus honor huawei uh not samsung uh not uh not the other uh, big makers uh but there are a lot of really interesting stuff there they're mostly like mid-range and even bargain priced phones that have a let's say suspicious number of features and value uh plugged into them like edge-to-edge screens and uh uh, and dual camera uh, photography and all these other kind of neat things. Uh, so this, if you, this is why it's. Uh, I feel like I'm being smart if I don't, if I can somehow not buy uh, the flagship phone that was announced in September and October uh, and wait <laughs> to see that. Oh well, I can get a phone that's very much like what I was looking at, but it's three hundred and fifty dollars and it's made by ASUS instead of eight hundred dollars and made by Samsung. Uh, interestingly and encouragingly a lot of these ones that have been pre-announced uh, are actually shipping with nougat uh, and none of them are shipping with anything less than uh, less, less than uh, android m so it's not as the days of buying a phone and oh good you gave me the one the, the version of android that was uh, available when george bush was president and not necessarily the younger bush uh, so it looks like, looks like going to be some pretty interesting stuff i hope the prices uh, match what uh, what they seem to promise they're going to be yeah, some other uh, other news that is coming out of there is there's going to be you know car focus. Every every when I was there a couple years ago, there it was when Android Auto and CarPlay were really trying to make it out on the scenes, and there was like so many other players out there that were working on technology uh, for the car. And I saw some really really neat stuff, like kind of like more heads up display. Um, where it wasn't necessarily looking at a screen, but it was on your windshield, so you could just see it when you needed to see it, which was a pretty cool idea. Um, so there is another thing in the works, is that Google and Fiat Chrysler have worked together to build a new, inf- what do they call it, infotainment system on top of Android. <laughs> uh, the companies announced ahead of the beginning of CS Today 
The project combines FCA's Uconnect infotainment system with Android 7.0 Nougat. It keeps the CarMaker's user interface while integrating a number of apps like Google Assistant Maps and as well as other Android apps like Pandora, Spotify, and others. Uh, so this is actually pretty interesting where they it's almost where we're seeing the first bit of kind of what Android is for the phones, right? Because um, LG and Samsung have use, and, use Android, but they fork it and they make it their own. Well, this is kind of seems like it's the same idea where it's not running a pure Android, but you're being able, you're able to integrate into a lot of the, the system. And so um, that would actually be very interesting to see my, I'm, Again, I'm not there, so I haven't had a chance to play with the interface, but if it's going to take on the same kind of the, the UI that is on the Fiat Chrysler um, with their own system, but then it integrates with a lot of the other apps, I'm super curious of how much control Google is going to give them with uh, things like Google Maps, like if it's just going to be you're going to be transferred from like the dashboard of the Fiat into like the Google branded Google maps. So with material design, it, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I wish I was there to play with that one because the, the hard part about, um, integrating into systems is how disconnected they can feel. And I think that's something that you really have to be really uh, careful of. So it'll be, it'll be, It'll be cool that they're working on this, though. Um, it looks like it's also going to support CarPlay, uh, which, for the most part, that is how most cars go. Like, so for instance, I have a Volkswagen and it has Android Auto built in, but it also has CarPlay built in. So if it just has a USB port and you plug in your phone, if it's an Apple phone, then it'll. Uh, It'll open up CarPlay, and if it's an Android phone, you know, then it's going to open up uh, Android Auto. So that's the way that a lot of cars are going. I've, I remember when I when the Android Auto was like first announced, and people were like, "Oh, it has CarPlay, it has Android Auto," and I'm like, "Does that mean you have to buy a car that only supports, you know, your operating system?" Uh, but I'm glad that that's not the route that a lot of people went. They actually support both. Just depends on which phone you plug in. Yeah, and this news of of uh, the new deal with uh, Fiat Chrysler, uh, a it clearly they've been they've been liking whatever three day gin martini expense report benders they've been having these uh, Google and Chrysler executives together because uh, remember earlier the year they announced that uh, Chrysler was going to be building a hundred self driving Pacifica minivans uh, to further test out uh, the new Google self driving car software, uh, but this is cool because this isn't in addition to Android Auto. Uh, this is them deciding that, hey, we want Android to be the underlying operating system behind just our center dash uh, entertainment and navigation computer. Uh, so it simplifies it, – it, it really makes uh, Android a lot stronger and a lot more valid in a lot of people's eyes. Uh, oddly, you, it's hard to believe, but the – fundamental basis of a lot of these dash systems even like somewhat recent ones built on top of the blackberry operating system so maybe they're looking for a bit of an upgrade uh <laughs> but also it means that when uh, instead of having if someone wants to use spotify or pandora uh, it doesn't. They no longer have to like pair their phone to the car and use some sort of Android Auto or Apple system. They can actually just have the car come pre-installed with uh, with the with the Pandora app. So now Chrysler doesn't have to cut deals with Pandora or these services to license their software and have it pre-installed. It's just simply an Android app. What I didn't. Uh, I've been reading about this uh, since uh, since the announcement was made. The one thing that I'd like to know is it's really the the one question you always want to know whenever you hear that uh, item X is going to be running android is that's nice but will it have access to the google play store because if you have a center, center dash where you can just arbitrarily grab any app you want and so long as the app has been designed to run on pretty much any size screen uh that's a really big change and a really wonderful thing to see well actually that is interesting i don't know i'm, I'm trying to read through the article and seeing if you actually plug in your phone or if it's actually no like that's not yep. on top of it no because Okay, so it is. So it's actually going to just be apps that they already have installed, and do they link up to your account at all? See, that's a see, that's an interesting bit. Because well, you'd, you'd, like, you'd have to for Pandora and Spotify, you certainly have to log into that service, and I assume you'd use it through an on-screen uh, on-screen menu, excuse me, on-screen keyboard. But yeah, there's it's yeah, there there are things that that they can add to this announcement that'll make it either more interesting or oh, I can't believe we talked on the podcast for seven minutes about it when this turned out to be almost absolutely nothing. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, actually, because part of the the beauty of having like Google Maps on your on Android Auto for me is the fact that it's linked to my account, so it's plugged into my phone. So it tells me, "Hey, Yasmin searched for this address, you know, a couple of hours ago. That's probably where she's navigating. So let me just quickly give her that address so that she can navigate." Because yes, being able to have Google Maps where you can just search for locations, that's all super super helpful. But on top of that, the ability of being able to have it customized to you is really, really neat. Here's the problem, though. the With Android Auto, yes, it's customized to whoever's phone is plugged in. So if I'm driving it, it's going to be customized to me. And if my husband's driving it and his phone's plugged in, it's going to be customized to him. Well, if you have to log in and you're, you know, there's multiple people using that car, who is it, whose account is it tied into? Like, that's kind of one of the, the issues. I mean... Uh, again, without being able to actually play with the interface um, and look through the UX, it'll be, it's, it's hard to like <laughs> make any more, I guess, uh, judgment calls on this. But either way, I think it's a good thing because I, a lot of these, uh, you know, these, these ecosystems that are built on for the cars, like you mentioned, they're outdated and any way that they can get more powerful, I think is a, is a good thing. But yeah, will be interesting to watch it evolve. Yeah, I mean the the one aspect of this I'm interested in as well is that we we were slightly involved in this. Um, we didn't actually. I didn't know the system was coming. I didn't know what it was going to be. But uh, Google asked, you know, for official build of our app, and they they wanted a particular you know way of accessing things. And it, it, that is kind of cool if there there is some way to be directly on the entertainment system without needing a phone. Um, I guess my concern is. Is this going to be something that gets regular updates? Because if it doesn't, you know, cars cars age super quickly. They're infotainment systems. That's the biggest problem with them. You know, you get them and you drive away and three years later, you're like, oh, this street doesn't exist in my mapping system or whatever. Like that's the beauty of Android Auto. You plug it in, up-to-date maps, up-to-date apps, everything is up-to-date. Like I'd hope that the Google and Chrysler have thought of that. I hope that it does all that. And I hope they've thought about the syncing of the two as well. You know, how you sign in, the whole process. Like as far as I know, this thing runs like android so it is pretty much like a tablet in and of itself it it manages all the apps and it looks like it accesses the audio you know in the same way that android auto does there's a standard interface to to say to an app that supports android auto hey give me a list of you know all the all the audio that you support categorize it however you want now the user has tapped here what do you want to do show another list or play this and it seems like a very similar thing so i guess the other positive benefit will be that you won't have 600 different uis running in your car that's the thing i love about android auto for audio playing apps there's one interface and any audio playing app you launch you're like yeah i know this interface i've used it before so it looks like that'll still be the case with this new system but that's yeah, that's literally all I know, except that I sent some people a logo and told them that Pocket Cast has a space in it, people. It's Pocket Space Casts. Let me give you some screenshots to use in your press releases and product photos. Oh, yes, well, there is a, it's called the Material Podcast. I, I only use that <laughs> yeah, because exactly. we, 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 we definitely have the intellectual property on that lockdown. We're looking after you to make sure that you don't get sued by somebody who has a deal with a competing thing. But yeah, that's a that's a that is a that is a, uh, a good point, Russell. Part, particularly about the particularly about the updates. Uh, and now, you, of course, you, you you stop worrying for two seconds, then you're reminded. Oh yes, security updates. It has to. This thing has to be updated regularly on a real TikTok TikTok schedule. Uh, and I'm sure that there's more people working on Android security than there are currently working on BlackBerry security. Uh, but that means that you're you're def- you're definitely talking about cars that will have some sort of a three G uh, connection to the internet that's live all the time, uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, there, there's there's a lot of there there are a lot of little brushstrokes to look at in this sort of thing, but uh, it can't be. I don't think it can be ba- certainly not bad for for Android, uh, and it's again good for me because if i have a center console what what the reason why i almost never use center console systems is that my phone is so much better uh, at pretty much everything and I, it vo- has voice and it has the has assistant features uh, and i don't necessarily want to invest all the time in learning how a center console works on my own uh, but that's going to get become more problematic because now you have uh, states in the united states that are passing laws that says i think in california for instance you can only touch the screen of a phone twice or something before it officially becomes distracted driving and it doesn't matter if you're just saying oh this stupid app decided to throw up a dial like an advertise do you do you like our advertising do you, do you 
like our, our navigation app, why don't you rate us right now in the App Store? No, I want you to show me where the next turn is that you said was supposed to be in the next two minutes, but now I can't see it. But if I touch to dismiss this, that smoky bear behind me is going to pull me over and give me a $130 ticket. I hate you and I hate all technology that looks like you. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so it's like, uh, I'm sorry, in the United States, it's uh, Russell is sent me a note here. It's seven times the United States, three times in Japan, uh, which seems which seems like the the censor of a the the the, 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 the movie ratings board saying, OK, you can say crap four times, but buttocks only twice. But if you say crap only once, then you can say buttocks four times so long as they are in non consecutive scenes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they come up with this math, but yeah, Daddy, just, we just we got ourselves the explicit tag. We finally Ooh. done it. Yay! We're dangerous. That means the kids will like us. Uh, but, yeah, yeah the, the, I've had it. Uh, on, on just adding a note of that is like I've had it on Pocket Cast when I'm scrolling through my my list. Russell of podcasts, it'll say you cannot proceed any further. Like I will blow up. No, it does not say that. It just says, "Hey, you got to park." or something before you're able to tap anymore. And I'm like, oh, no, but I just need one more more, more tap to scroll one more to see the podcast I really want. Uh, but no, no, Pocket Cast wouldn't let me. It's Thanks for keeping me safe, Russell. That's all yeah. I got to say. I, I do hope that, uh, if, if anything, this will urge Google to put more distracted driving prevention features into baked into Android itself. It already has a separate car mode. It's had that for years and years and years, but mostly to let you have a separate launcher for that, that's used inside a car. I'm not sure how helpful it is uh, making me stop in the middle of the road just so I can get to that last podcast I needed to get to. Just kidding. Yeah. I don't actually it's, do that, everyone. So it's not, to, to be clear, it's not a Google. Especially this is with not coffee a Google in one hand and the bagel like in the other hand, for heaven's sake, Johnny Law. <laughs> no, it's not a, no, it's not a Google. Yeah, it's actually like a law restriction, all this, all, the, all that stuff. Um, I, that was, that was just a bad joke on my part. Yay. Cold medicine. Uh, but l listen, we got some cool new Chromebooks that are coming up at CES, which is something that I'm actually kind of excited about because, uh, over, over, um, over the holidays, I wanted to buy a Chromebook for our daughter for education. Uh, but I, I held off because I was like, you know, They've, they're probably going to create some really awesome Chromebooks now that they support Android apps. So, um, Andy, tell me about the Chromebooks and let me know which one, which <laughs> one is the one I need to invest in. Well, these are just ones that caught my eye and caught other Android journalists' eyes that have been pre-announced. Uh, Acer has a new Chromebook called an N7 that was clearly designed for education and you know something was designed for education when it says so the CPU is a Celeron processor, which is roughly would run on two C-sized batteries if it were a wind-up robot or something like that. Uh, but what, they, what the actual specs are that okay, they want you to know that it can handle a four-foot drop. Uh, you can drop it and it'll survive even if you lands uh, directly on the corner. Uh, the top cover can take 132 pounds of pressure. So uh, the, kid can, the kid can't probably jump up and down on it, but they can probably stand on it so long as they're not particularly Cartman-esque. Uh, the keyboard is spill-resistant uh, and uh, it'll get 12 hours of battery life uh, and it's going to retail for 229 bucks. Uh, and I know a lot of people who work in corporate IT that would say, I don't care if this was designed for for fifth graders. Actually, a fifth grader will, would take better care of a notebook than any of the executives that I issue company hardware to. Uh, and for $229 for something that is designed to be really, really hard to kill, I think a lot of people are going to be super, super excited to have that. Uh, especially when you, when you think about how uh, I, I was just complaining about the $2,000 I spent on my uh, MacBook Pro that doesn't have an Ethernet port. Sometimes you think about, well, what if I budget only $800 and maybe what if my budget is that I will buy something, this $230 rugged notebook is really all I need for what I need a notebook for. And my rule is that I can just buy a new one no more than two or three times. So if I'm, so if I, if, so if I took a trip to Tokyo and I bought a lot of like manga comics and I don't, and I can only have room to pack either the manga comics or the notebook. 
I can just leave the notebook behind in my hotel room as a tip, a gratuity, and then take the comic books I won't be able to get. I can buy another Acer, uh, another Acer Chromebook, uh, but I can't get that. It's an 11-inch screen. It should be available starting in January. Uh, but the one that I was really, really excited about, uh, we were talking uh, on the show uh, uh, during Google I.O. about how absolutely tingly exciting it was that uh, the new version of Chrome OS will support the running of just native uh, Android apps and just access to the regular Google Play Store. Not you can go, you can go to a special Google Chrome store, and if a poor put-upon developers like Russell have taken the time and effort to recompile something for Chrome for Chrome OS, no, it's just access to the Chrome store. Uh, so long as it can fit in that screen or so long as it can be readapted uh, on its own, it's perfectly fine. Uh, and it really just made you fantasize about all the different kinds of basically desktop or notebook scale Android apps you could have on an inexpensive piece of hardware. And Asus and Samsung seem to be really running with that idea uh, with two devices that I got to say, I mean, maybe maybe I was a little bit kidding about buying like four N7s and just throwing them away when I get bored with them or when I run out of room for stickers on them. These two, I really want to keep a close eye on because they just look really cool. Asus is coming out with uh, something called the uh, Flip 2. Actually, by the time you get this podcast, it's actually available for sale for $499. Uh, and it has pretty much every spec you would expect to find on a mid-range even uh, uh, Windows notebook. Uh, total metal body. It has that yoga style form factor. You can flip the screen, uh, the flip the touchscreen about 180, uh, full three, 360 degrees and use it as a tablet or as like a like a easel sort of uh, view and just watch movies on it. Uh, and you might want to watch movies on it because it will have a 12.5 inch 1080p uh, display. The CPU is a Core M3 Intel processor, which is uh, not as good as like a, the sort of thing you would find like on a MacBook, but uh, the core line of processors is eminently capable of handling not only uh, Android f- Office for Microsoft Office for Android, but even like the mobile uh, f- uh, photo editing apps uh, for uh, for Android uh, storage. I think this is the I I. I've been trying to think if I've seen ever seen a Chromebook that could have out as much as 128 gigabytes of, of onboard storage, but you, that's that's an option. Four or eight gigabytes of RAM, so they're clearly understanding that you're going to be running a lot of uh, actual Android apps on it. You're not going to be running a glorified web browser on it. Two, 10 hours of battery life. The only ports are two USB-C ports, and one of them is going to have to serve as your power port. But that's okay because that means that you can buy like an Anchor uh 20,000 milliamp hour battery extender. And so now you have 20 or 30 hours of battery life uh, all tied up on that. Uh, And uh, let's see, micro SD backlit keyboard, all this sort of stuff that really you'd expect to find on a really, really good notebook. Uh, And the Samsung, the Samsung Chromebook that's hasn't been announced. The Asus Chromebook flip two has been announced. The, there's been long rumors that Samsung will be coming out with a Chromebook Pro, and this might be a good opportunity for them to actually release it at CES. If they do, it's rumored to be almost like a Samsung Galaxy Note 12. Like a, imagine like a, 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 a something designed like a Galaxy Note non explodey hopefully, but a full, like, 360-degree <laughs> folding, super, super, super skinny, good keyboard, uh, not just a touchpad, but a, a touch display, but also uh, incorporating a stylus, uh, just premium, premium build, uh, enough room for a standard USB port as well, and probably, maybe priced about the same as the Chromebook Flip 2 from Asos, about 500 bucks. That's super, that would be super hot, particularly for... Or uh, a really, really, really flat notebook. Yeah, these uh, these look pretty cool. These look pretty neat. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited to see all the new Chromebooks that get out. Now the question I have to ask myself is, hey, do I buy a more expensive $500 one that's going to be much more of like the family computer that's you know that my husband and and daughter can use, or do I just you know go for the the cheap one where it's mostly my daughter that's going to be using it because if any of us try to get on it, it will be so slow we will probably <laughs> cry. So uh, I don't know. I don't know which route I'm going to. I'm I'm I am eager to see uh, when CES ends and all of. All of what all of my options will be. So 
Oh, it's been fun. I want a Chromebook. I want a Chromebook. <laughs> but I'm still holding out for that Android uh, Wear watch that is supposed to be the Google Watch that's supposed to be released early next year, but it's actually early this year now because we are in 2017. So <gasps> get hype. It was, <laughs> uh, it was actually uh, funny. We were, you were celebrating our wedding anniversary uh, over the break. And I was looking at all the pictures like from our wedding anniversary date, just in the years to see kind of the things that we did each year. And it's, I, I've had the Google Watch, the, my Aces, not the Google Watch. I've had my Android wear like Aces Zen Watch for two years now because there was it was in one of the pictures of our like wedding anniversary pictures and i'm just gonna how, how did you spot it I, Yasmin? it's so small because it's just freaking ginormous <laughs> and you know i'm kicking myself because man is that watch not obnoxious like it is the most obnoxious thing and it's in my, all of <laughs> our say, anniversary photos i say you, you definitely want to add some sort of hard embedded <laughs> caption to say that Yasmin was not on some sort of home release program <laughs> That is a early digital smartwatch. Uh, yes, yeah, seriously, it's like oh. <laughs> so <laughs> was you, did your mom have to stay at home a lot? You're like, yes, yes, she did. She couldn't actually leave the house. She couldn't leave the house. It's it's pretty big, um, and so thank you, family, for putting up with me and my early tech because <laughs> it's pretty obnoxious. So come on, Google. Give me something. Give me a small watch, please. Please, I'm begging you. Give me something that my family doesn't have to be ashamed of when uh, they leave the house and mom's wearing her Android Wear watch. <laughs> well, maybe, Just wear it around uh, your ankle, Yasmin. That, that, that'll fix the problem. Yeah, no, yeah I'm not sure that's going to be good. Well, maybe good you want to go for something retro. I just I just found out uh, the week after Christmas is the time where you get all the you look at all the gift cards and gift certificates you received and realize that I didn't earn any of this money. So I think that my aunt expected me to spend it on fun, silly things. I found out like the same like bog standard, simple like Casio LCD metal wristwatch that was introduced <laughs> like when I was like in junior high <laughs> is still available Exactly. Not in a special like retro edition. It wow. is actually the same watch, and it's like eleven, twelve dollars. Uh, and so I couldn't. It, I and couldn't it looks not a lot nicer it. than mine. It's it's actually <laughs> damn, it's actually damn nice. It's it's the. Can, uh, you, can you hack it to with Android things? Have it run Android uh, where somehow. Uh, I could probably print a tiny little Android sticker and put it on the top or the bottom <laughs> of the bezel. Gosh, if people if people were if people were having conniptions about, oh my God, the Moto 360, it has that little black slice on the bottom of the screen. I can't deal with it. And say, well, okay, here's a little, <laughs> little LCD screen <laughs> with about the same size L as the LCD screen, a black bezel on the top and the bottom of it. But it's like I'm actually, but yeah, it's it's super thin. It, it would it's well balanced for a woman's wrist. Uh, and I've actually, I bought it just because, Hey, look, free money. Oh, ha ha. Look for $12. I can get this thing that <laughs> I first saw like when I was like nine or 10 years old. And I'm like, actually, this is kind of, kind of a nice watch. Like, I kind of, oh, I, like I kind of like that. I want to keep wearing it. I got, I got two, I got <laughs> two wrists. What's, I got what's the battery life like, Andy? Get the charges off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, I just to, it doesn't say in the packaging, so I've been unscrewing the back and replacing the button cells every two days, <laughs> which is about how fast I have to recharge my Apple Watch, just in case. So the price is kind of getting up there. Maybe that's why. It's maybe it's one of those like Gillette uh, shaving so things cheap. where they make the they, they you make have to the, buy the official ones. Yeah, yeah. They they make they, make, they, they sell the they sell the uh, the watch for cheap, and then they make the money back on the batteries. I have no idea, but. I'll, I'll I'll give you the model number. I'll give you the link. Maybe this is this should be your next watch, and then people it, will think. And then it. people in your next anniversary pictures twenty years later say, "Oh, so you? Why did you have your twentieth anniversary party <laughs> in 1991, and then you had your? Oh, I don't get it, Grandma. <laughs> Grandma, that doesn't make any sense. What is that? Um, yeah, there's going to be lots of questions, and you know, if I if I'm blessed with uh, grandchildren, my daughter would just say. Oh, uh, yeah, that was mom's first uh, Android Wear 1.0 1, 1 um, edition. And then she's going to say, I actually have it framed. I still have it right here. It's a, it's an antique. My so. precious child, do you, do you ever ask yourself why we rarely have grandma over at the house? Like maybe <laughs> Christmas and that's it. Not even every Christmas. Okay, now look at this picture and see if you can infer from these pictures why that is. 
Oh, and before I'm uh, kicked out of my my grand my non-existent grandchildren's life, I guess it's time to end the show. I want to thank everyone <laughs> for listening and tuning in and putting up with Russell's uh, Wi-Fi. No, I'm just kidding, Russell. I'm just teasing you. Andy, where can people find you on the line? Uh, well, if you can find me, then the uh precursors that I put into place so I would survive 2017 have clearly failed. Uh, but just uh, try to spell Anatko correctly. Uh, I'm at Anatko.com. That's where my blog is. I'm also Anatko on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find the stuff I do for money on SunTimes.com, the website of the mighty Chicago SunTimes. And Russell, where can people find you online with your wonderful fast speed internet? You can find me at Rusty Shelf on Twitter, and you can find me enjoying the awesome ADSL two speeds that we get here in Australia. The other day, I got two and a half megabits. People don't don't be jealous. Just because just because I get a fast internet connection and you don't, we yeah we have a hundred hundred at at work. Yes, I mean it's a bit of a difference, but I'm enjoying the outdoors. <laughs> the latency in the outdoors is amazing. By the way, I have to say. <laughs> And you can find me at Yasmin Avian on Twitter. And you can find me playing with uh, my Sergeant Jen uh, uh, character right here that Santa Santa brought me. So, yeah, that's that's my life. Hopefully I, I will be better next week. And thank you for listening to the show. Uh, you can find us on the web at, at Material Podcast. And you could send us feedback at materialpodcast at gmail.com. And also find us online at relay.fm forward slash material and let's see anything else we want to share no we're good all right until next time stay in material